five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. Let's get over to Tom Fishburne. Anyway, change for the sake of change. What's your marketing plan? Change everything. Change the packaging. Change the logo. Change the agency. Change the campaign. Then will our brand grow? I don't know. By then, I'll have changed jobs. And isn't that the truth? This is how you can get marketing, how marketing can destroy a company. <laughs> it's really the truth. And, you know, that's been especially poignant to me because the number one reason that uh, after years of dedicated partnership with brands, we've been fired is that a new person comes in. And it's just as simple as that. And one of the interesting things about direct marketing, which we'll get into a little more in a bit, is that you learn things through time. There's a legacy of not only of brand recognition, which we'll talk about, but there's also a legacy of data and of learning. And, um, you know, I get on the scale every day, like it or not. I face the facts. <laughs> and sometimes the facts face me. And, uh, but because I use the same scale every day, it tells me things <laughs> that I may or may not want to hear. And I ask people, you know, a, there's a lot of measurement theory out there. And uh, I did work at an, in, an industrial instrumentation company for a couple of years. And, you know, I tried to explain to well-trained engineers that it might be better, they might be better off with analog displays than digital. Uh, and in fact, we had a digital company come in and they only, they didn't have like any digits to their display. <laughs> And it was a it was a meter that measured sewage going through big pipes. And they said, you know, when we first came out with this, we 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 had the readout go out to three digits and the operators would just spend all day trying to get that to level out. And they would turn it up and they would turn it down. But there was such a lag in the system. It's a huge system. It's a sewage treatment plant. You know, or it's the pipeline going into the sewage treatment plant. So if it's dry for a few days, it changes. If it's if it rains suddenly, it changes. All kinds of things change. It's always changing. And they would be better off leaving it alone. And so we got rid of the precision and we just made it consistent. You know, we had a, a longer lag time in our machine. So it took averaging over time. Insignificant digits do more harm than good. And I see this all the time in articles, right? Um, we'll get to an article where I'll, maybe I'll find it again. But it said, almost 6.3% of marketers, <laughs> and it didn't tell me how many marketers were in it, but probably it's not even a thousand. So that 0.3 is insignificant. And what? Almost 6.3, what? 6.276 or something, you know? It's just a math, it's insignificant math because they're, they're, you know, one difference, one or up or down, doesn't make a bit of difference. And so the change based on insignificance 
which is almost always the case in marketing, is insane. And you basically destroy the heritage of what you've learned because when you change a data system, you basically change your bathroom scale. So imagine changing your bathroom scale every day. So imagine you had 10 bathroom scales, and they're all reasonably similar, so you could get a trend out of it. But it would be insane, right? Right? <laughs> I hope you're getting this. This is advanced philosophical epistemology. <laughs> this is my MA stuff. Uh, but it matters. It matters in business. Don't, don't overmeasure and don't overchange. You can't change everything, and we'll get into that too. It'd be excellent. Okay, so marketers are the first to get bored by their own marketing, okay? Particularly when a new leader joins the group, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, and then you get a call a year later after you get fired by the new leader, and the board of directors wants to know if they tested you before they dumped you since you'd been doing such stellar work for year after year after year oh they did a back test well the back test is just smoke and mirrors it's a way to compare a real model with real results against a fantasy model and a fantasy model almost always wins until you mail it right we won't get into that today while brands need fresh thinking to stay to stay relevant which is a a fancy word for what I feel like today. Consistency and continuity is underrated. Okay. And there was a great study, and I talked about it, I don't know, a week or two ago. Ritson was talking about it, which is down further in the article. Uh, Byron Sharp defined it as the probability that a buyer will notice, recognize, and or think of a brand in buying situations. Okay. And apparently there's a great case study, which I found very easily by typing out Tropicana's disastrous packaging, just to clip this part right here. In 2009, it led a 20% drop in sales in two months, which was, they were, I think, about $200 million in sales, and we'll get that in the next article, but they were, uh, they dropped 20 or $30 million in two months. Whew. And, uh, so there's long been a marketing assumption that advertising experiences wear out. It's funny because my dad ran an ad advertising service company, and it's just a weekly column that the local businessman could put in his newspaper. And we've had accounts for 50 years, and, you know, people talk about them. And if he misses, you know, uh, it's like people get used to seeing it. People want to see what they're used to seeing, okay? There's no sell-by date in advertising. Okay, Mark Ritson says, wear out is not an issue that many in the industry once thought. In fact, that study showed graphs going absolutely straight across. You know, I mean, if Miller brought back the taste great, less filling for Miller Lite, which is what launched Miller Lite and what's really launched Light Beer. Light Beer had been around for, I don't know, 40, 50 years before that. And everybody knew how to make it. Nobody knew how to sell it. And so they took some old retired football players, you know, that were a little heavier now than their playing days. And they had this pretend fight about whether it's because it tasted great that they liked it or because it was less filling. 
and had lower calories. They didn't say, and you guys need to lose a few pounds. They just said, you can have the same, essentially they were saying, you can have the same taste. And they made it into a little bit of a masculine duel. <laughs> and um, that, that wouldn't hurt them, right? That Bud Light could steal it now. And it probably people would think that it was always Bud Light's slogan, but they won't. Okay, by trying to avoid wear out, most marketers are missing the benefits of wear in. So anyway, this year we're disrupting how we do marketing. Didn't we do that last year? Last year we transformed marketing. No, that was two years ago. Oh, right. We're reinventing marketing. And I love the way Ritson's got the guy's hand over. Oh, yeah, we're mm -mm, yeah, reinventing marketing. About time, the other person says. <laughs> We need to stay focused on our marketing priorities and not get distracted by every shiny new, look, a squirrel. <laughs> Boy, is that a perfect cartoon. I never get, that never gets old. We need to change the packaging. We need to change the advertising. We need to change the agency. And the CEO says, we need to change the CMO, right, which is a constant problem. And partly because they noodle with the wrong knobs, right? They kill the data guy, and they play around with the creative. And if they were testing, if they were testers, <clears throat> then you would see, they would see that that made no sense. But they don't. They just launch a new one, brand new, big splash, lots of money. Tropicana, I think, spent $30 million reimagining their logo and all that. We'll get to that in a second. It's time for a new campaign. I'm tired of seeing this one. It's totally run its course. Let's retire this campaign now. But we haven't even run it yet. Let's also change our packaging logo and agency. Right, exactly. Okay, so here's, I found the Tropicana failure in redesign, <clears throat> okay, from Marion. And uh, this is what it looked like, 100% orange juice. This is better, a better slide, before and after. Okay, so here's the Tropicana that I re remember, you know, the arced thing around the orange and it's like I'm sipping this through a straw right out of a real orange right and I I was born not far from orange country I remember the orange tower we visited in the middle of orange groves as far as you could see Florida doesn't look like that anymore but you don't hardly see an orange grove anyway but the after was this is a glass of orange juice it, you can't really tell and it just says 100% orange doesn't even say juice, which is a, sp a scary kind of thing. And then it has Tropicanus on the side. And instead of an orange cap, they made it an orange little orange. <laughs> a literal orange with texture and a leaf on it. And uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about here. Uh, see, here's the little orange cap that they put on it. How creative can you get? Um, they changed the logo, they changed the, they, they did an advertising campaign that basically said squeeze is a natural and they were trying to get squeeze to be, you know, like go viral or something. I don't know. Uh, and they talk about the emotion they were trying to build into emotion into orange juice. You know, when you step back, if you talk to like, an accounting person and said, we're going to put emotion into orange juice. It's like, 
they they look at you like a deer in the headlights. And here's we underestimated the deep emotional bond that consumers had with the original packaging. What we didn't get was the passion this very loyal group of consumers have. That wasn't something that came out in the research because they probably didn't ask their customers and they didn't test it against their customers. See, we test for real, right? Which would you buy? And, uh, but the, the article goes on to talk a lot of schmutz about, about emotion, but I think this is really the issue right here. Many consumers didn't recognize the product on the supermarket shelves. You know, if my wife told me to go get orange juice, I might recognize the Tropicana. I would never recognize the new Tropicana. Some loyal customers saw the 100% orange juice, and it doesn't really even say juice in the big letters. It just says orange, which is a color, and asked themselves if the product was still the same as Tropicana Pure Premium that they always trusted. Right. I would just get confused and grab the generic. I'd get the Food Club orange juice. My wife said, orange juice, here's orange juice. In fact, I might think that that was generic. It looks like a generic. And that is brought out later in the article, that it, that it uh, looks cheap and ugly. Most consumers described it as ugly, a low-range supermarket brand. Right, food club. Tropicana had always been perceived as a premium brand. Okay, And then there's this stuff about consumers feel an emotional bond with the appearance of a product. No, it's like, ah, this tasted good before, but I guess it went out of business, you know? I mean, my whole life, I've bought Graf soda. Graf's 50-50 as a sour mix. It's gone. I can't find it. You know, I changed supermarkets just to go get it, and it's not there anymore. I must have, and it got bought out, and it must have got discontinued. And, uh, you know, it was a 60-year run or something, but... uh now you find something else. You know, I use squirt and I have to add real lemon. Uh, there's no emotional bond. I am not mourning the loss of graphs. No, I just can't find it anymore. Move on. That's the way it is. You know, what can you do? Okay. Branding elements on packaging cannot all be changed at once. Right. Why? Because when your wife tells you to go get orange juice, you won't even be able to find it. And uh, that's a basic basic thing she says here's a picture <laughs> you know takes a picture she literally would do that she'll take a picture of the one in the refrigerator because she likes certain kinds of coffee creamer i don't even use coffee creamer so i don't care you know but that's what she does and so i have to find that picture well if you can't find the picture uh you know let's go on how small business are spending their marketing dollars okay and uh before the internet you know and i I was on two product or uh, two customer calls on Friday. Excellent, excellent background. And one was a supermarket, and it was really fascinating to hear how their spending has changed and how up to date they were on all kinds of technology that they were investigating. You know, like the moving billboards on your shopping cart, for example, that keep track of where you are in the store and what you might be looking at, and then offer you the brand name who's paying extra. Um, although the supermarket might make more on the uh, on the on the generic okay small business but it did get into a good hunk of direct mail um small businesses still rely on traditional direct mail marketing 
um, for their contemporary marketing campaigns. And I've got some ideas for that grocery store because couponing is, you know, the problem with couponing in general media is that it's not enough to get somebody who's used to shopping at a particular store to switch. Because why? Because they're used to stuff. They know where things are. You know, when I go to the Sendex, I don't know where anything is. When I go to the Piggly Wiggly, I kind of know where things are, right? Oh, here it is. Almost 2.6% said they'd, they'll use direct mail. Almost? John. I think that's... Is this John? John Hall. John, you'd get a big fat F on that one in my math, high school math class. Another reason for direct mail that people are forgetting about, and I may do this, uh, my friend Sarah Fletcher had a search engine optimization marketing article, but another, another one of my expert friends said SEO is just dying because first of all, uh, first of all, how can you get to the top of the page? You know, Andrew Ettinger makes the point that if you're an HVAC, Angie's List is going to be up there. All these other aggregators, even Yelp, might have, have people up there. And so you basically got 17 yellow pages that are going to take the first page. Okay, there is like zero. If you type HVAC near me, there's zero, zero actual companies that will come up on your phone. Okay, that's what you're facing in SEO. You're facing you can't win that game. Okay, and if you can't get on the first page, it says here, 95% of all web traffic goes to page one. If you're not at the top of page one, you're pretty much dead. Unless they're giving your actual page, your actual company name or something very close to it. And that means you got to be in their head before you decide to search. Okay, and your website has to be up to date. But then Sarah's article was saying, you know, that's almost impossible to get there nowadays but sarah's article was saying that ai now is able to create a thousand replica pages of the same page that are all slightly different different enough for seo and for the crawlers not to realize that they're the same okay different names different urls different images different copy ai can generate that slight difference but they all back link to each other and make those backlinks way, 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 way more powerful than anything you could ever build on your website. You could never optimize your website better than AI can build a hundred websites that both that all backlink to you to themselves. Do you understand that? It's fascinating. It's dead. You're much, much better off in mail. And email, we all know the problems with email. We just don't want to look at it, right? So it mentions this excellent article by John Hall. Only that one word almost <laughs> was my only criticism. And here's the Teradel uh, survey that he's citing. Um, and uh, it's, you know, beautiful, well laid out. Downloads really nice. You should go to Teradel, uh, but I'll put it in the show notes on, on WDMA. Direct mail, 81% of respondents plan to increase or maintain direct mail efforts over the next year. Okay. And that was what those two companies were calling about. They were calling about how do we improve our direct mail? Can we grow the company with direct mail? Fascinating. Wonderful. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.